Hey everybody, it is Puka. Thank you for joining us on the One To Go Show. It's hard to believe, but the high school hockey season is right around the corner. And with that being said, we wanted to remind you of the other podcast that GOAT Sports produces, which is called the Tea With Miss McGill Show. The Tea With Miss McGill Show covers high school hockey in Minnesota. So if you're a hockey fan, jump over to the favorite place that you podcast, search the Tea With Miss McGill Show. If you'd like to catch it on YouTube or on Facebook, search Goat Sports Media and you can catch it there. Welcome everybody to the One to Go show presented by Dirt Track Supply. It is Puka, it is Ryan Aho, it is Bert Lehman. Thank you for joining us. Another action-packed episode. We're going to talk, you know, racing in North Dakota, racing in South Dakota, back over in Wisconsin, a little bit in Minnesota, a couple of places. Uh, so with that, I want to welcome in the boys. Ryan, uh, not home tonight. No, I'm traveling back. I was out at the Casino Speedway in Watertown. Did nice a job, by the way, behind the mic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I had a heck of a lot of fun and got to visit with a lot of people. Now I'm at a buddy of mine's house in Montevideo, so I'm doing the show here. We'll call it our West Central Minnesota corporate office. And actually, Montevideo, I'm not sure if you knew this, home of, right, by research.com, right? So that's Gordon Collison's hometown as well. So I'll be I'll be back home tomorrow, though. I'm on my way. On my way through, it just takes me a little while. I seem like I stop everywhere. So, Bert, how about you? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, watched a little bit of racing and uh, just... Uh, just living life, I guess. <laughs> big, big win Sunday night, Bert. Yeah, big win Sunday night. That was very pessimistic going into that game on Sunday night. And, uh, I mean, the Packers pretty much had that game in control until 37, se or until 37 seconds were left in the game. Uh, but that I guess that's all that Aaron Rodgers needed to, uh, to get into field goal range. So... We'll take the win. The Vikings quarterback is playing like an MVP right now. I'll just say that. <laughs> Kirk Cousins looks like a rock star. So uh, I'm looking forward to them Packers because I think uh, they're they're pretty even. The Vikings and Pack, the Vikes and Pack. I don't think either one is like way better than the other. So it should be a couple pretty good games. But uh, you got to feel a little little bad for the Detroit Lions fans. They just. They just can't get the win. They lose on a 66-yard field goal. Sixty-six-yard field goal off the crossbar in yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my gosh! But that's the Detroit Lions. That's just the way it is. So, did you did you hear the Detroit announcers announcing that kick? I did not. They they, they were just in disbelief. <laughs> Why? How? Right. Right. Yeah. They they should just be expecting that by now. Man, I tell you, it's still racing season, though. It's still racing season. We got plenty of time to talk football later in the year. There's still a lot of racing going on, and I know we all like that better than football. Anyway, in episode 99, Bert, who do you got over your direction? Who would you pick for a number 99? Uh, the driver I would pick for 99, and I would get yelled at if I didn't pick this driver because I know that uh, some of his uh, fans uh, – listen to this show uh number 99 used to race late models uh in the well actually he raced modified sportsmen and late models i think he's a three time i think he's won championships at shano speedway in three different divisions modified sportsman and late model no he has not won a late model championship so uh but anyway ryan telke number 99 usually a green car and uh he was 
he was a hard-nosed driver, very, very competitive. Nice. You got any good stories about him? I mean, he's from your area. Sounds like you know a little bit about him. You got any stories that stick out about this guy? Uh, well, he was, I, I mean, we, we talked about this when Nick Avalink was on the show that one time uh, when there was a, uh, we went racing in Marshfield and we got into a bar fight uh, at the bar across the road from the racetrack and uh, Brian Tilke was involved in that fight and <laughs> uh, he's actually the one who, who uh, laid one of the guys in the bar flat on the ground. I mean, just knocked him out completely. And uh, um, Brian is a well-built person and you don't want to mess around with him. And uh, so that's one of the stories. And another story is uh, racing at Manitowoc. And I have photos of it, of what remains of the car, but that's when Manitowoc was a half mile track. And he went flying off the backstretch and just destroyed his car. I mean, it, it, there wasn't much left of it. And uh, I'll see if I can find photos and send it to you so you can share them on, on the podcast here. Yeah, send them over. So, Puka, you heard that. So, Bert said that Ryan Filkey's kind of a wuss. Um, <laughs> what he said. Small. <laughs> he'd take him out back and just kind of beat him like a red-headed stepchild. That the <laughs> So awesome. Guy. That's a good one right there. I, I remember that name, actually. I'm not sure if I've ever met him or not. Sounds like I didn't want to meet him at the bar, probably. So, <laughs> so Puka, who do you got? Well, I'm going to bring it back. And not real, not a lot, well, not a lot of memories. I was pretty young, but actually a guy I got to know later in life because he bought the hockey store in, in Hibbing. But that's, you know, the 99 Sammy's Pizza Car, Mike Modich, and a modified and he raced a little bit late models too. He got remember he had a little stint of maybe a year or two in a late model. He was really good in a six cylinder. And yep. then he jumped up in the mod. Then he was in the late model. I know Pete yeah. Squeeze pitted for him for a long time. Of course, they had motor sports there in Hibbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a good racer. He won, he won a bunch. I was looking back for some reason. I thought he won a Labor Day shootout, but <clears throat> looking at my notes, I don't think he did. So I, I know he's won some pretty big races for sure. I'm just not sure what they were. And my dad actually bought a car from him. He had a modified, it was a blue car. My dad bought from Mike Bodich and he went out and got one up to Thunder Bay. Remember when Dennis Jones got burnt up there? That was that car. That was my dad was in that car. At oh. the time. So, okay. Yeah, Bodich, his late model, if you remember, was black and white. Remember that? It was, uh, did he have a Mopar in that thing? You know, I think he was a Mopar guy. Now that you say that, I think that. I don't that, remember uh, for sure, but I remember. Sh I think Shaddy Holman built his motors, and I, for some reason, I feel like he might have had a Mopar. We'll have to ask our uh, up north expert, Mark Tremberth. Maybe he can put it in the <laughs> in the comments below because he would probably know. But I feel like maybe he had a Mopar, but I can't remember. But that's a good one. <clears throat> that's actually the first one I had on my list. You got any more to add, or is that where you got? Nah, that's all I got out of that wall. And then I thought Bert would say, is it Mullins 99? Well, yeah. Is. Yeah, Mullins is 99. Mullin. Yeah. <laughs> Not Mullins. Mullins. Yeah. Mullins. Yep. Mullins. Mighty, Mullins. Mighty Mike Mullin. He's a stud. That guy can flat out wheel a race car. I enjoy watching him, especially in that modified. He's got really good car control. So I got a couple. I'm not going to really touch on the much details, but I got a couple, one that I am. So, well, obviously we can't, you know, not talk about the million dollar man, Donnie Moran, right? I mean, there's a 99. Jeff Lean, who's been a bunch of numbers, his kid Jeffrey Lee and of course Jace Lee, and they're both racing now. I never realized this until my buddy Lauren sent me a picture 
he ran a number 99 mod for the White City glass team, Dale White. And uh, of course, that's who Bevo drives for. <clears throat> so I never realized that. I guess I did realize that, but I completely forgot it. Then, of course, you got Carl Fenske, right? He came up the Labor Day shootout, a Winona guy, came up there. But locally, how about Doc, Dan Vichelle? Oh, yeah. Ah, there, there's one. Right. He actually bought a, he bought a hobby stock from me, and then he ran Supers for a while. I know Capella helped him out. He jumped up yeah. into the late models, and, uh, yeah, he he actually won some races up there in Hibbing for a little while, too, the Yellow 99. So good old right. Doc Dan Michelle. I haven't heard that name in a long, long time. <laughs> so, you know, of course, this episode brought to you by our friends over at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown. I got to visit, of course, with Ron a little bit this weekend and Trevor. Trevor had a good weekend. Hey, the first night didn't go so good in the mod. He started deep both nights, 14th to 4th, though, on day two in the modifieds. There's a stout field of cars, but in the late model, he got second both nights. So he ran very yes. well in the late model division over there. So great weekend for Trevor Anderson on his home turf. And then uh, Aero Nation, Jeremy Castro, he just keeps on stacking them up. 16th win of the year out west in Sheridan. And uh, he has a legitimate shot at second in the Wissota Street Stock National title race. He's currently sitting fourth right now. So that Arrow Street Stock running really good, of course, for Jeremy Castro. And I just want to thank them, guys. You know, they've been proud sponsors of the show here for a long time. They do a lot for racing, help a lot of people. And if you need parts, you need service, you need a car, get a hold of Ron, get a hold of Trevor over at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown. They'll take good care of you. So what do you say we get to it? Let's talk a little racing. And let's just start with this. It's invite time, right? So let's have the, the Vernon Racing invitational season weekend recap and uh you know let's start with you puka you said you went over to the bemidji speedway you went over to the stampede you went for the chicken you stayed for the racing how was your trip <laughs> over your annual trip over to bemidji yeah i tell you yeah at least nothing's changed in 35 years of bemidji but it is it, it's simple and it's nice and it's relaxing and, and and nobody complains you know that's the thing no there's no booze everyone was happy full you know good crowd uh, there, you know, I actually, if you check out our YouTube page, I threw a little video up there and there's actually some interviews to uh, Sebraski and such. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of the story of who wasn't there. I was surprised to not see the Brokings. And, and just because, I mean, Grand Rapids, I mean, it's, it was 66 miles from my driveway to the parking lot. It's not that far from Grand Rapids. The Fink Bones, I was surprised, you know, and I don't know if, if you know, Chaston got that car sold. I know it was for sale. Uh, the SDs, I, I heard that the Woods Woodses from Chisholm were down at watching the Jamborees. I was, I was kind of sorry. Danny Vang won a night last year, wasn't there. Uh, Davey Mills, I believe, is the Bemidji Marine car. Yep. And he wasn't there. He must have had to work. That's weird to me because I think he won the, I guess I, I don't know if he won the points up there. I feel like he might have, and he runs really well there. Surprises me that he wasn't there. So, I don't know if it was family deal or not. I'll have to check into that. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little bit of surprising, but yeah, no, it was good. No, just a, so a few, a few things for those of you who've never been there. Just after a mission, Skyler Smith comes out in the mod four, takes like five hot laps, just like what's going on here. Then a, another guy comes out the B mod, takes a couple laps. Right after the races, there's a mini stock flying around. I was like, I don't know if it's just free free hot laps in Bemidji, whatever you want. You get a test in tune, but hey, hey, more power to it. They give it to you. Watering the track was really weird. They soak the bottom with the not the mister, the water truck. Every once in a while, soak the very bottom, go to the very top and soak the very top. And this is just a small quarter mile, very sandy 
So when the sun's up, it doesn't hold very long. But, you know, the futures got kind of racy because they did that. You know, I mean, he would have, he'd be right, I mean, right at the very top of the track. And then the mister would do everything in the middle. You know, every, everything between the very bottom and top. So that was just interesting. Very energetic staff there as far as on track. They have about six people in the middle. Uh, everyone's vested with the, you know, the bright fluorescent running around like crazy. Of course, they've got the two flags. They got the flags on the back. Even though they got a traffic light back there, they got a guy back there with flags, two guys in the booth. And then where they enter the track, they got about three or four people. Every, like I said, everyone's in the fluorescent. You know exactly who's working, but labor intensive there in Bemidji. I think they're just there for the chicken. You know, I, I, I think they pay them a chicken. I don't even, I mean, there's no way they could cover all those costs. So they're paying them a chicken. I actually did talk to the, the gentleman who cooks the chicken, came up, introduced himself. So that was cool. I believe Teresa, do you know Teresa? Is she involved, Ryan? I don't know. I think, I think her name was Teresa. She came and introduced herself really quick. She actually wanted to buy it. Huh? Tanya? Or is it Tanya? Okay, yeah, it was yep. just a real quick introduction. Maybe Tanya. Yeah, uh, she actually wanted to buy the beef. They call her Tanya is the main promoter over there. Tanya. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So I met Tanya just I mean, really briefly. I was I was having a chat with somebody, but uh, she's on. You know, hey, great job. We love the show. You know, want to buy you a beer? I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I got to drive home. Just no beer, whatever. Uh, but it was cool running into her, and I think that's about it. And of course, everyone just kind of saw everything as far as the. Uh, you know, the racing, it was, you know, with this was Saturday night. So it was Sabraski's night, you know, doubled up super mod went actually last first in the mod heat, which didn't get a lot of press. I don't think, but uh, did what he had to do that job? this because, you know, he won the mod feature. He actually, he won both the super and the mod both days. Okay. Right. <clears throat> but I was told, oh, both days. Okay. Yeah, he did. Josh Bolio sounds like he yeah. was maybe a little something for him at the end of that feature the first night. You know, he's got a handful of wins on the year. Boldio has been looking really good. So I heard some, that he, uh, if there might have been a caution, he might have had something for Sabraski. Well, well, he, he blew by Sabraski at about lap three or four. And the question was, was Sabraski going to get him back? Now, luckily, they had about five cautions. And Sabraski, you know, slid him in, in one and two and and got him. And, and barely, I mean, it was close coming to the flags and on that lap. But. You know, Sabraski had just enough of a lead to take the lane he preferred back into one and two. And then he was able to, I don't know, maybe two, three car lengths. It wasn't a big thing, but yeah, Bolio was was very strong. Uh, you know, so it was it was a big scare for him, I think. You know, the Supers on Saturday night, I think he started second or wind. He just second or third row in, but he disposed of everybody pretty quick and then he was gone. Uh, but the, the mod was a whole, like I said, he he blasted out to the front, but uh, two, three laps later, Bolio blew by him. You know, and of course the crowd went nuts. You know, that's the hometown boy. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, you pass Sabraski, that's tough. I mean, that's just that's let's be honest, that's not an easy task. Now, Kevin Burdick, who was in the title race there with Sabraski, three points behind, he had a rough night on Saturday, and he just said, That's enough. <clears throat> he went home, he didn't race Sunday, he threw in the towel. He's gonna go to the red clay this coming weekend. He said he's done with the points for the year. Basically, Sabraski clinched, but that mod race is tight. And I'll transition from Bemidji over to Granite City because I don't know if you heard about this, Bert, but Casino Speedway, which we'll talk about in a sec, they ran Friday, Saturday. Tyler Peterson, of course, drove to Bemidji to race the 2 o'clock show on Sunday. And then he redrew, like, fourth row. Sabraski redrew the pole. I think he got up to third in the feature. Sabraski won. And that closed the point gap after the feature to four points, okay? Now, what's important is they can both gain six points with a win. So, I mean, it's literally one win separate. So, it's that close. But immediately following the feature, 
I, I had looked at my race pass, right? I was doing my race pass fantasy and I'm like, why are they listed at Granite City? Like, how is it? Like, I don't get it, right? So like they're listed at Bemidji and they're listed at Granite City. I'm like, I'm, am I missing something here? Do they leave what they do? Well, <clears throat> immediately following the feature, they loaded up and they hightailed all the way down to Granite City. They're like, we're going to go down because there's no heat points, right? So they're like, we're going to tag the back of the feature Without those two cars, they only had eight modifieds at Granite City. So they were going to start fifth row. So they hightail it down there. TPO makes it to the track. Shane Sabraski, not so much. He got a speeding ticket on the way and didn't quite make it. So his night was completely over. But he got four wins between the two cars on the weekend. He was okay. And uh, Don Eichens, who was very good at casino, we'll talk about that in a minute, he won. Dennis Zek got second, and TPO did get up to third, but he's got to get first to gain any points, so it didn't help him. So I'm like, I thought I was crazy racing all those shows. I've never raced at two different racetracks in the same day, so it's kind of like, how bad do you want it, right? And there's an example of, hey, it's coming down to the wire. We're going to do whatever it takes. If we can make it there, we're going to try to make it happen. I thought that was super cool. It would have been even more cool if they would have won, right? But that the story didn't quite go that way. And I, that's what I want to say, you know, and I don't know Kevin Burdick. Well, I, I know a lot more about him than he thinks I know, because I remember when he was a little kid, when I lived in that neighborhood, see, when I was a teenager, when he was a little, he was just a little guy, when his dad was racing. But I, I got the impression now, part of it was a track and they're letting off at, you know, kind of at the flag stand in the heat and kind of rolling into the corner, but he didn't seem to have any jump or, you know, you know, you had talked about kind of being tired. I, it just, you know, it, it, he didn't, he didn't, it didn't seem like he was racing with urgency and maybe he just wanted to be smooth and stay out of trouble. There's always tomorrow and all that. But, you know, I didn't sense that he was on the pump, like super aggressive. I'm going to get this. It was more just, and like I said, I'm not a driver. So, so maybe it was a lot. Cause I know it was slightly after the flag stand in the heat. Cause the sun was still, they were letting off coasting in, but it, it you know, I just didn't get the feeling that he was burned out. I think yeah. just, you know that points battle is intense, right? It's intense. There's a lot of stress, and he's a one-man band. I mean, he's the Dennis Herb Jr. of Wasota Superstock Racing. He ain't got no help. He does everything by himself, you know. And I'm not going to say it's all by himself because his wife, of course, takes care of the home, takes care of the kids. He has a full-time job above and beyond racing four nights a week, and you know, and the guy he's racing against, and nothing against him at all. Shane's a good friend of mine but he's got paid pit crew. Yeah. Right. So he's got people that do all the little stuff, right. You know, I'm not sure. I think Shane does a lot of the bigger stuff, but he's got people that help him. you know, and it's just a little different situation. I was in a different situation when I was racing for points, but I think it just came down. He's burnt out, you know, and then he's starting to back in Bemidji. It's tough to get up to the front. And I think he, a lot of people go into it with the mindset of, if I can't win tonight, it's over. And, and it really was at that point, because with that win, that puts Sebraski eight points ahead of him. Burdick would have had to win every single night for the rest of the year to win the yeah. point. And, you know, and knowing that what really hurt him this year is the car points. You know, we just didn't have the car points. He had too many low point shows and he wanted to go to Ashland anyway, next week for the red clay. And, you know, here's the thing. He didn't want to go to the big he simply did not. Nothing against Bemidji. He did not want to go there. 
He had no interest in going to Bemidji. He only went there because he felt like he had to for the points. And then when that first night didn't go as planned, he's like, heck with it. And it's kind of like if you go to a track, you know, if you don't really have the attitude that you're going to go out there and win, like you said, if you don't have that urgency, you're better off just going home because all you're going to do is end up wrecking stuff. It just ain't worth being there. So that's what he ended up doing day two. But uh, also at Granite City, I mean, you can look on my race pass for the stats. Moss finally back in victory lane in a late model. I mean, he was really good. He was terrible the second half of the year after blowing up, right? Remember how how, how good he was at the beginning of the yeah. year? And then he was just like terrible. Like, where what's going on? And then at the 100, he chased down Jimmy Mars, almost won it. And then he got a win. And car counts really light for the late model. Was that granted, but he got it done. Um, Dexton Cook has now locked himself in the third in the mods or in the supers, excuse me. He got a, a win over there as well. The track was pretty good over at Granite City. They uh, they started late, and I think they did that on purpose. Like they <laughs> things back because they got you know they got word that Sebraski and um, TPO were going to try to make the trip over, so they ended up starting late. And I feel like maybe that was by design a little bit to kind of create some drama, which. You know, it's kind of a cool story. You don't see that very often. And then I was, of course, uh, over at the Casino Speedway. <clears throat> you know, and like I said, I, I announced the fourth annual Autumn Classic over there, a doubleheader Friday and Saturday. And, you know, I want to thank the good family, Todd and Vicky, of course, for having me over there. Got to announce with my good buddy, Dave Nermy. He does a great job. So it was just kind of cool to be next to him, bantering back and forth. Had a lot of fun. And, and the racing was good. I mean, they got moisture on that place to start the night. There's a high side, a low side, crossovers, street stocks. Kyle Dykoff, he dominated. He won both nights from six. Um, Braden Brower made the trip up there on day two and a uh, horrible heat. Kind of an interesting deal. We know how good Parker Anderson's been all year, right? Pretty much dominant in the street stock. Horrible at water count. Like he went there and he's, he's like, he's like, man, this place might crypt tonight. Braden Brower went out in the heat race and he literally looked like he was driving with his feet instead of his hands. I mean, he was terrible in the heat race and the track was slimy. It was a first race and it was one of those deals where he started in back and he couldn't get the car to turn. It's like, but he figured it out in the feature. He come from like 15th to third. So <clears throat> he put on a good show in the feature, but it's a, it's a totally different material. And that's where the material on the track you see some guys are really good at some tracks and they're not good at others. That material makes a big difference. And then the Midwest mods, Mikey Nichols, who had a terrible 100, became the winningest driver in Midwest mod history by doubling up at the casino speedway. So he's got the most wins there. He had a hell of a weekend. Mods, of course, Tyler Peterson, a much, much, much needed win because he's battling it out with Sebraski. But honestly, the fastest guy in the – did you watch the mods a little bit? I think you said you did, right? I, I watched a little bit of Fridays at the end, yeah. The fastest car was Don Patience. Yeah. He was faster than on the night before. Actually, he, he could have – he chucked a slider and he lifted. I'm like, man, you're pretty nice to him. He goes, well, I was wearing one of his shirts and he's racing for points. I'm not going to dirty him. I'm like – Man, you're getting what kind of a year has Aishan's had this year? I just really haven't heard his name. Has he had a decent year? Oh, up and down. Okay. Up and down. I think he must have. I don't have it in front of me right now, but he's probably got to be about nine wins. Oh, okay. But several no. of them early were at Watertown, or not Watertown, but at uh, at Wilmer, and they only had like five cars. But he did oh. have some bigger wins. Of course, he won here. He won at Granite. 
you know, he's got a pretty fast hot rod. He ran up front in several of the RV races. So, so he's been pretty quick, but he's kind of been up and down. Kind of most of the mods have, to be honest with you. And then we'll get into the class that I know the only one that you guys watched, the late models. Yes, they had late models too, right? And uh, day one, the wild child, Scott Ward, he made it three Autumn Classic wins in a row. But there was a little drama, a little bit of drama, a little family feud potential here. Um, they got He didn't find the rubber. It was rubber through one and two. Tyler McDonald got inside of them. They come into three and four. Bam, contacts made, and they both go around. I'll play the clip right here, but, you know, what What did you think on that? You guys saw that. You know, how would you have called that? Would you have given that spot to Ward, or would you have given it to McDonald? Uh, I think I would, because he never quite cleared Ward, right? No, it was, it was a little bit of a hip check. Yeah, yeah, I have a little bit of a hip check there, and and like I said, yeah, it was it was getting real narrow there. Uh, you had to fight, like you kept saying on the mic. And by the way, Ryan did a great job. You you, you go back and, and watch it then on Dirt Race Central. He did a great job on the mic all weekend. Uh, but yeah, I, and you know, and then yeah, you like said Family Feud. So so the audience knows. So Tyler McDonald is married to Scott's daughter. Yep. But not Morgan Ward. She's the Whitney. racer. Whitney Ward. Whitney. Okay. Yep. Okay. So there, yeah, because. I was expecting a, you know, at first I was like, whoa. And then I remembered because they were kind of chummy chummy at Cedar Lake last year when actually Scott Ward was, was a member of the fans fund back in, in 2020. But, uh, but yeah, you know, cause I don't think Scott Ward usually takes that kind of behavior too lightly most of the time. <laughs> I kind of felt like a failure, right? And now they're interviewing <laughs> victory lane. I'm like, what happened in three and four? I was, I, I was trying to stir the pot, trying to get them going. Cause usually he's just like our buddy, Jeff Provenzino. He, you can just like put a quarter in him and he'll go off. And I'm like, I tried. I wanted to get him going. And he's like, man, I didn't even know it was him. I'm like, you can do better than that. Come on, you're killing me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those deals. He was racing for the win. A little contact happened. And then night two, the drama there. So the points battle, Cole Searing's had a great, like the last month, really a great year all around. <clears throat> but he was on the pole for the heat on day two. He had to get push started in the feature on day one. He had to get push started again. Car wouldn't fire. So he was on the pole for the heat. They ended up trying, 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 pushing right to the pits. He loaded up, went home. He didn't even, he didn't even race. Huh. So it's like, oh boy, here we go. Well, Chad Becker won yeah. from eight, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> when that Not happened, good. Yeah, he was really, really good there. And he's really had a rough second half too. And I asked him down in victory lane, I'm like, mathematically he's still in this deal right he would have had to win out right i said are we gonna see him in granite city tomorrow he goes nope i'm done i'm like damn it uh, cole's like you really think he's not racing like he's like if he's if he's not done well being that he didn't go to granite city now it's mathematically over cole searing rookie and national champion in 2021 for the for the late models so impressive year so just had a great time over there. Great racing, great atmosphere. A little shout out to my buddy Kevin Engel and the Sprint Cars. They had them there night one. And a guy that, you know, usually runs mid-pack. He's not usually that guy up front. Second quick in time trials. He went out there and he had fast time. And then this guy by the name of Mark Dobmeyer, he might have heard of him. He was the last guy to qualify and he stole it from him. And he was running up in the top five that, that tore up in an incident there. But it was kind of cool to see him running pretty good. So pretty fun time over at the Casino Speedway. Yeah, I think I think it was it was good. Now you, 
One thing I was wondering about, I had a question. Oh, doesn't the president of Azota, isn't he out there? Did you happen to run into him? Did you have the pleasure of running into the, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I fi- I figured that'd be a, a you know a pretty uh, candid conversation. Wait, we had a chance you know what? Him. He he does. So Rob Palmer, the president of Wasota, he's a scorer, lap counter out there. <clears throat> I believe his wife works there too, and uh, so they were up in the booth. So there was one person sitting in between us playing referee, um, in between me and the president of Wasota. Actually, it was good. We had some pretty good conversation, you know, all weekend long, just over talking about Wasota, <clears throat> talking about racing talking about the show because incidentally there's a couple i i know i know most people wouldn't believe this but there is a couple people affiliated with wasota that don't like our show i, I don't I, I guess it is what it is um we might have to cancel or not so much um you know so some like it some don't nobody likes to get called out but we talked a lot about that you know and you know any association right any board anything like that doesn't matter if it's racing school anything right you're going to have a group of people that are active and a group of people that do nothing it's just the way it is it's not just the racing right so we talked about that and he kind of chuckled and and he wouldn't give names he's he's pretty politically correct let's just be that way he's not calling anybody out i tried i tried to get some dirt from him (laughs) but we we agreed that if you're on the wasota board and you're not active just resign, right? It's no harm, no fall. Just, just resign. It's not like you're losing out on a huge paid position. Just, just resign and let's get some people in there that want to be active, right? Because there's a lot of people in the sport that have good ideas. There's a lot of people that recognize that, hey, change needs to happen. You look at Wisconsin, you know, we talked about the 100. There was only 18 cars from Wisconsin at the Wisconsin 100. There's only five Wissota tracks in Wisconsin, right? That's a problem. How do we fix that? So we were talking about that, and it really comes down to people. We talked a little bit about Carson, and he's like, you know, I think Carson's mind's in the right spot. He's passionate about racing, but he also said he doesn't have any help. He said, like, a lot of things that he wants to implement, they could probably use one or two more employees in Wissota to help make some of this stuff happen. And, and if you don't have enough able bodies, you can have all the ideas in the world, right? But if you don't have enough people willing to kind of step up, do their part to make things better, you're kind of stuck spinning your wheels, you know? So, you know, maybe they got to do something there. Maybe at the annual meetings, some of the promoters need to say, look, if we need one or two more paid people on staff, let's get them on staff, right? Let's, even if it's somebody like one person to run the challenge series and one person to run marketing and one one person to get contingency prizes for the 100 different things like that just you got to have more people and and there's people out there that are passionate about racing let's get them involved let's get the people that aren't passionate and you know sometimes there's people that maybe been around too long right and that happens everywhere in business everywhere well this is the way we did it 35 years ago right times have changed right so sometimes you got to get with the times and sometimes then people got to go too. So we talked a lot about that. And he kind of picked on me a little bit. Rob kind of hurt my feelings. He said that I'm a little too strong in my opinions once in a while. I may have been told that a time or 12. So yeah, he's exactly right. But you know, it is what it is. You know, <clears throat> I told him, I said, I've been around racing my entire life. We do the show because we love racing. All three of us, we love racing. That's why we do the show. Right. 
But all three of us have also seen things that clearly need to be addressed and need to be changed. And they've needed to be changed for years and years and years and nothing gets done about it. And eventually you just got to kind of put, you know, you got to just put it down and say, here, this is a problem, fix it, right? And sometimes they don't like that because there's certain people that, you know, hey, you're targeting me. Well, no, you ain't doing your job. You got to go, you know, just is what it is. If it was a traditional business, right? If somebody's not doing their job, don't they replace them? Don't they just boot them up? They get a different person. It shouldn't be any different here. So at the end of the day, I think uh, we had some pretty good conversation. You know, I think he's, you know, he's probably the right guy for the job because he's pretty darn level-headed, to be honest with you. Probably more so than the rest of them. But I tried to stir the pot just a little bit up there. And I did. You had a couple of pops with him. That's good. You had a couple of pops. I did. I did. So, yeah, it was fun being out at the casino speedway. I'd like to get out there again next year. And so did either one of you, let's jump up to North Dakota. They had the 50th annual Jamestown Stock Car Stampede up at the Jamestown Speedway. Did either one of you get to watch any of the racing action from Jamestown? Burton shaking his head. He did not. Hookah, you did. What stuck out to you up in Jamestown? Oh, gosh, the lack of iron range cars. All the guys that, you know, we used to have a pretty decent contingent going out there. Provenzino and Peterlin and I, I believe Massengill and Vessel in the more recent years were out there and and uh, nothing. Now, Devin Van House made the long pull, which was interesting, yeah. all the way from Silver Bay, Minnesota. For those of you who don't know that, it's on Lake Superior up north of Duluth, and he made the long pull. Uh, other than that, pretty much, you know, I, I think the, the car counts, I think that Autumn Classic has affected the late model car counts just a little bit. You know, two complete shows, though. I think this is, what, the second or third year where they've done two complete shows for the lates? Second for sure. Maybe third, yeah. but second for sure. Well, I think they kind of had to with... with you know, with, with everything going down, down in Watertown there, but yeah, kind of veterans night on Friday, you know, Kurt Gelling, Mitch Johnson, Chuck Swenson, Don Shaw. That was kind of cool to see, but the uh, rookie, but yeah, all in all pretty good. You say veterans night, but I'm going to point out the rookie one. Mike Gress. Yeah. Well, yeah. On Saturday, that's what it gets. So Chase Gelling, of course, Kurt Gelling's son with a big win. I saw someone on Facebook first ever win. First ever. Okay. Win. First ever win and nails the 50th annual uh, stock car stampede in Jamestown. So Chase, congratulations. What did you see, Ryan? Did you see who got second in that race? His dad. His dad. <laughs> Kurt Gelling, who really hasn't, I mean, really uh, over the last couple of years has not been the guy, right? He's a yeah. former national champ. He got third day one, second day two. So he had a hell of a weekend though. That's probably the best weekend he's had in a long time. And then of course, Chase Gelling, that's awesome. You know, first ever win. At the 50th annual Jamestown Stock Car Stampede, that's a big one. I won that one a couple times myself. And then another thing out there, so I'm a points guy, so I'm always following the points, right? <clears throat> so Sheridan, Wyoming, that's where the Liker boys run, Midwest Mods, Tony won both nights out in Sheridan, right? Now, that meant that Lucas Rodin had to win at Jamestown because they're tight. I think it's, I don't have it in front of me, I think it's five points is what it is. It's, it's extremely tight. Yeah, five points difference right now. Now, <clears throat> night number one, you can tell, I just shook my head, right? Jason Grimes, who, who's a good racer, he's won a bunch. He's leading this deal. It's top dominant, maybe a hint of rubber on the top. They get in the lap traffic in the closing gaps, or closing laps. Grimer goes to the bottom to try to pass a lapper. It's like, what are you doing? He went to the bottom. He couldn't even pass a lapper. Rodin drives around on the last lap, wins huge win for Rodin. <clears throat> Night number two, Ryan Schroeder 
is leading the race. It's like, it's over. Like he can't get him. The bottom is no good. The top's dominant. It's over. He slides underneath Schroeder. They're in a lot of traffic. Schroeder squeeze, squeezes down and dips his right rear off the back straightaway on the last lap, comes back up on the track and actually gets into the right rear of Rodin, spins himself off the top of the track. And they had a delayed deal. <clears throat> They're like, who are we calling this on? Because if you looked at it, if you just caught the end, you might've thought Rodin kind of did this to him and shoved him off the track. But if you watched it, Schroeder went off, came back on, got into him. So the call went against Schroeder, Rodin won night number two, and that wow. kept him in the national point lead by five points, which is huge because there's only a couple shows to go. So when he got second or third in Granite, wasn't he at Granite? Did I hear his name? He, he did. He made, <clears throat> he made the long haul from Jamestown to St. Cloud. He got second, but that didn't okay. help because they're throwing out second place finishes. So definitely an interesting deal. And then, of course, I know Bert watched this one. The Punky Manor Challenge of Champions over at the Red Cedar Speedway. Bert, let's start with you. You know, what's stuck over in Menominee, Wisconsin? Well, I mean, I think uh, probably, I mean, for a race fan, the biggest story had to been in the Midwest mod Modified Division. Um, uh, Kennedy Swan, that's her name, correct? Yep. 14-year-old yep. uh, girl wins the feature at the Punky Manor. I mean, some drivers go their whole career without winning the Punky Manor, and, you know, she's 14 years old and, and wins it. I mean, she started on the front row, but, I mean, you still have to stay up there, and she stayed, I mean, watching that, watching that race, what surprised me a little bit was how good she is on the start, at the starts, because um, she it almost looks like she's getting an unfair you know, like she's jumping the start but i mean she just gets a really good start and you know she has a fairly decent lead by the time they get into turn one um but i mean to be you know i you know she's a girl 14 years old um and to to win a big race like like that is uh just amazing and um, I can, I may, maybe she hasn't even been able to sleep since then, because I'm sure it's, it's uh, probably the highlight of her life right now. Yeah. Her dad's probably more excited than she is, even, <laughs> right? He probably, Cause he's been around racing. He raced himself and for her, she's 14. Does she even grasp it? Right. Does she grasp at 14? Do you really understand the history of the punky man? Right. Do you even get it? He does. Cause he's been around it, but she's so young, young, number one, the youngest driver to ever win an A main at the Punky Manor and the first female to ever win an A main all at the same time. So again, how many times have people said it? Don't, don't be driving like a girl. <laughs> Drive like I a girl. Anymore. <laughs> Drive like that girl because, you know, I just want to, I just want to say it, you know, I, I've watched her race throughout the whole season. <clears throat> you know, when she won that first one earlier in the year at Menominee, the car control that she has, Mm -hmm. is incredible right i mean like i see 14 year olds i don't care if it's a boy or girl don't matter to me most of them don't have that kind of car control right like like puka's kid he just got old enough got his driver's license today i promise four hours ago four hours ago stay off the sidewalk stay <laughs> off the sidewalks okay stay off the sidewalk but the car control she looks and she's been racing go-karts and all that <clears throat> but she looks like a veteran i mean she She's got the presence of mind. 
she can what Menominee is one of those deals where you got to roll the bottom and if you get a half lane off you're up in the marbles you slide up the track and she's able to she hits her marks so well that she's got a great presence of mind behind the wheels so I'm telling you she's going to win a bunch of races I, I'm not sure what her future plans are but she I mean if somebody picked her up I mean at 14 years old she's highly marketable right you know so she could go anywhere she wants to go with the kind of car control that she has. I mean, will she stay in Wasota? Could she go further than that? I mean, what's your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I know that she could definitely be an internet sensei. Like you said, she's very marketable and, and doing like tick, like, you know, like, well, you, we all saw it on social media that, you know, jumping on the car, that victory lane celebration, lots of emotion, very cool. Like I said, I haven't really, you know, I was ex wanted to, catcher in grand rapids here during the classic and of course they rained out i think she was on the front row for that one too wasn't she, she was yeah she was going to be on the front row and that rained out so all, yeah well the heat uh, dominated the heat yes. in the heat that's yep. all, that's all i've seen of her this year but go ahead bird um yeah i mean she's only 14 and i mean like you said she has great car control and so you know she has a bright future ahead of her um as ryan probably knows more than any of us though um, money is a big factor in how far you go in racing. So, uh, you know, if you don't have the backing, I mean, you know, if she wants to advance up to other divisions, um, you know, or go asphalt racing, you know, cause that's kind of where, you know, if you want to advance your career, that's where you go, but you have to bring some money with you. It's not just talent that gets you there. Unfortunately, uh, you have to bring some sponsors behind with you. And uh, speaking of sponsors, did you uh, see her victory lane speech? I and, you know, did not. I did not. Oh, they uh, asked her if there was uh, anything she want anybody that she wanted to think. And she's looking around and she, I think she was looking towards her dad and somebody handed her a sheet of paper and it had all the sponsors <laughs> listed. So she read them all off. And you, Ryan, you said that in a previous show, you don't understand why more drivers don't have a sheet of paper with them that yep. lists all their sponsors so they don't forget anybody. I got to be honest. So I, I think that's cool, right? I, I mean, I've heard people back in the day, they're like, well, I'm going to put my hat in the car, right? So when I so when I get out in victory lane, I can put my hat on. Not like if I win. They're like, I'm going to put my hat in the car. So when I go to victory lane, I want to have a hat on. If she has a sheet prepared with sponsors on it. That's the mindset. Like I'm expecting the win. I gotta have this. She was like, "Me down in victory lane." Like she, she was expecting the win. So <clears throat> I think that's super cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, how about AJ Diebel into the wall twice? I was pretty surprised at that. How often are you gonna see that? Twice, evidently, because it don't happen often. I mean, he <laughs> dominated the legendary, dominated the sights. He took the lead on the high side. And yeah, I mean, you can't mess up twice and, and expect to beat Jimmy Mars. Mars capitalized on that, of course, won yet another funky manner for the 28. But I was surprised to see that uh, he's probably a little bit disappointed. That he feels like he probably gave one away there. Yeah, past Mars, too. So, if you know, he passed Mars and Mars got him back. Like said, he just brushed. I mean, he didn't go head first into the wall. I mean, he was, he was just scraping the wall a little bit and was able to continue. And then they said Rick Hattestead with a new car. Anyone know? Is it a Mars car again, or do we know what he has? I'm assuming it is. I don't know that for sure, but I'm assuming. That's MB country down there. I think you have oh, to have totally. an MB to unload a late model unless you're Pat Dorf. <laughs> <laughs> just so funny. 
like I said, I mean, it's a little more understandable why he wasn't at the legendary now. Uh, but his son wasn't, I, I believe, wasn't at the legendary either. You know, they just kind of show up, you know, just kind of, hey, the Anastas, we're here, you know. And, and then you know, they, they might go silent for the next three weeks and then they might show up at the world finals. You just don't know. You know, they're just there. They just bippity bop around. <laughs> that, that's about it for sure. And they're, and they're both fast. I mean, of course, Rick Anderson's won a bunch of races. I mean, he's highly competitive when he puts his mind to it. And then, of course, in the modified, the Ashley Anderson show, I mean, if I would have put money on it, I would have picked the 81. There's a few guys that have been quick, but Ashley Anderson, he got it done. Super stocks, a guy that really, he's been at a lot of big shows. He's got a pile of wins all year long, but he just couldn't get the big one and finally got a big one. Jesse Radetzky got it done in the 207. So pretty good racing, but anything else to go to you, Bert, um, over in Menominee? Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, there were uh, three Eastern Wisconsin late model drivers who made the trek over there, uh, Nick Avalink, uh, Tom Nair, and uh, Brett Swedberg. Uh, I heard Swedberg had some uh, tough luck in his heat race. He started on the front row, but uh, I heard... Uh, uh, somebody who helps him out posted on Facebook. He had holes in his oil pan the size of a uh, soda can. <laughs> so, uh, should have got um, a champ pan, is what he should have got. <laughs> and um, Tom Nairt made the feature, finished eighth. And somebody needs to tell Nick that on the western side of the state, he doesn't need to start 12th like he does on the eastern side of the state. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nick started 12th and finished seventh. So, actually, looking at it, Nick advanced five spots and AJ advanced six spots. So they advanced about the same <laughs> during the race. Um, I know both of those drivers are up in the top three in our, in our uh, standing. So uh, just a little perspective there. <laughs> um, but the other thing is uh, Ryan keeps talking about mod guys and late models. Well, late in the mod race, the top five were consisted of drivers who have raced late models in the past because you had a, uh, <laughs> Ashley Anderson, uh, AJ Demo, Jake Hartung. I believe he's raced late models in the past. Jimmy Mars and Adam Henzel. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, there, I like it, Bert. Go. I like it. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that one, but that's, that's a good analysis there. Fair enough. <clears throat> how was the crowd over there, Menominee? Was it pretty good? Did you notice? Look like it. The video that I saw, I mean, it looked like the stands were pretty full. Yeah. They got a pretty good culture over there. And I know they, I don't know what the dollar amount was, but did you see they had a raffle all year long, um, kind of a fundraiser for the track and MB was, they gave away a brand new MB modified roller. <clears throat> I'm not sure who won it um, and how much it was. Somebody could maybe post that in the comments, but kind of a year long deal. That was kind of cool. But uh, any other recap there, anything else from this, this weekend in the Wasota I guess, region from the racing this weekend. <clears throat> so coming up this week, we're coming down to the wire, right? This is the last weekend where there's multiple shows. And then the following weekend, they have the fall classic. And the following weekend after that, they have the Can-Am Clash, right? So this week, <clears throat> if you're following with soda points or whatever, Friday and Saturday, two complete shows, Lose Mantown Showdown in Madison. On Friday and Saturday, two complete shows. The Piston Cup over at the Granite City Motor Park. Saturday, the Devil's Lake Speedway, they actually added a show over there. So it sounds like a bunch of that NLRA region late model guys are going to go to Devil's Lake. And then Friday, Saturday, one show, Heats One Day Features the next in Mandan. And then, of course, <clears throat> probably the 
out of this group, the granddaddy of them all, so to speak, the Red Clay Classic. Heats Friday features Saturday up at the ABC Raceway in Ashland, Wisconsin. And tell you what, they always get a pile of cars. That's that's probably one of the best paying shows for the whole area for invitational season. So that should be a good one. But a little update on the national points. Just a little update there. Of course, the rookie, right, Cole Searing, has locked up the 2021 Wissota Late Model National Championship. Congratulations, Cole Searing. He's had a hell of a year. The modified race is not done yet. Tyler Peterson is up four points on the 7A of Shane Sebraski. Okay. Now, here's the deal. They can both, they're both chucking, I think, 106s, so they can gain six points a race. Now, if you remember the Northern Nationals, day two, remember this? Jody Belfi wins, deck height, let him go, Sebraski second. <clears throat> really should have given the win, according to the rule book, right? They should have given the win to Shane Sebraski. If he gets that win, he's up by one. There's only four races left. Could this be a big factor here by the end of the year? This is something to keep an eye on. If he loses by less than five points, boy, that'd be a tough one to swallow. What do you guys think? Well, Billy uh, said at the 100, didn't he, that there is no deck, there is no tolerance with that guy. That's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So stay ahead, tuned. Stay tuned. So either. Either we want 7A to win it or we want TPO to win it by more than five. Okay. If he wins it by more than five, then it don't matter. But if he wins by five or less, man, that, that will be a conversation. So stay tuned on that. Superstocks, uh, that one's done now too. Shane Sabraski went on a tear. He's been great all year long. He has locked up national championship in the Supers. <coughs> Street Stocks, Parker Anderson. He wrapped that up, I think, mid-June, somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, he flat out dominated. And then the Midwest Mods, that's a good one as well. Lucas Brodeen from out North Dakota is up five points on Tony Liker. Here's the deal. We all thought Liker was going to be done after Sheridan. Rumor has it, the Likers are heading to Madison to face off against Brodeen this weekend. Ooh. So there is going to be some heavy, heavy hitters and national title implications on the line. And I don't know. See, I talked to Sebraski. I talked to Tyler Peterson. I said, where are you guys going? Because I know they're not going to Ashland. They want to. They would. They want to go to Ashland because that's where the money is, right? But they can't because it's two complete shows. I said, are you going to Granite City or are you going to Madison? And they're like, man, I, I don't know yet. Right now it's a coin toss. Right, they really don't know both of them. Good alternatives, maybe it'll depend on the weather. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where everybody goes because they're really not that far away, must be less than a two hour drive from St. Cloud to Madison, Minnesota. So <clears throat> those two tracks are going to have national title contenders. So let's get to the national scene. And I know that you guys both watched this, it was a good weekend of racing for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Models. Um, Everything was highly entertaining over there. They had three nights, of course, over in Brownstown. Puka, let's go ahead and start with you. You know, what stuck out over in Brownstown? You know, you can put it all into one night, one night, two night, three. Uh, what stuck out to you? Yeah, I just got uh, Spencer Hughes, a name that, you know, kept kept coming up. The number 11 car, you know, I, I know when Thursday started 
21st, ended up eighth. He led some laps. I believe it was Saturday night. So, you know, he, just a name that was, that came up, of course, I'm sure most of you have heard that, uh, you know, Jonathan Davenport had COVID, so he wasn't able to participate. So he's falling back to fifth in the points. Uh, you know, Bishop with a win on Friday night. Sometimes I just think, you know, I don't know if anyone had him in the picks. I, I'd have to look back at our pick but sometimes I think we forget that he's an Illinois boy and, and he can really roll in those tracks that are in the upper Midwest. Hard roll for RTG on, on Thursday night. And how about, well, I got a question for you guys after this, but uh, three rows of signage at Brownstown. So you talk about racing and racing culture. Ryan, I don't know if you guys know this. In the infield, three different rows of signage. So, and, and as far as I know, Brownstown's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's not like you're in some, some big city. So pretty impressive. Um, and then our question, we can get into this incident, maybe you'll be able to show it, Ryan, but the Gilpin-Owens incident. And, you know, obviously Owens' frustrating year up to this point uh, kind of goes after Gilpin wrecks him. You know, he does basically did a Jimmy Mars on Jesse Glenn's same corner, actually. Uh, I mean, Bert, Ryan, I mean, Ryan, you could get maybe Bert, you can give the fans perspective, Ryan, you can give the racer perspective, but my thoughts were just all the frustrations from the year coming out. What are your guys' thoughts? Bert, go ahead. I would agree with that. I mean, Gilpin, you know, did a slider and I mean, he, cleared him but not by much so he really caused Owens to slam on the brakes and yeah I, I think it was just frustration from the whole season um you know Owens went into three and four and kind of stayed off of them then I think he just kind of said screw it and just kind of plowed into it into the rear and spun them and uh I mean caused damage to his own car it's not like he just spun them and you know, was able to keep going. I mean, he had some front end damage to his own car. I mean, that's how hard that the hit was. Yeah. He didn't have to do it. That's the thing. Well, right. He didn't have to do it. No. <laughs> so the question I have, and I don't know the answer to this, it, do they have history? You know, is there something, cause they've raced against each other multiple times before is, was there something else brewing here to where, He's just sick of it because Gilpin did slide him and he did kind of connect with him a little bit. And there was some contact and he squeezed him, but that happens all the time, right? In, in national late models, I mean, you get close sliders, a little bit of a quarter panel. That's just part of it. It happens all the time. I mean, for God's sake, turbos in the Lucas Oil series, they're used to it, right? <laughs> and Bronson. That's big of a deal. It's Bronson. <clears throat> but he monster trucked him. Like he hit him twice. He didn't just hit him once. So he got back underneath them. He just monster trucked them in the middle of the back straightaway, kind of drove right over them. I'm like, and then yeah, I did a wheelie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he drove right over them. And then, then Gilpin kind of turned and it looked like he just teed them up and just drove right through them again. It's like, I'm surprised. Now, did he finish? I didn't catch the end of that. Did he DNF that? Was he done? I assumed he did because he went to the, I'm assuming he had damage. Yeah, I didn't look to see if he came back. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I assumed he was done because he had some he had some front end damage on that car. Because certain people, I mean, I mean, let's face it, it was <clears throat> it was obviously driving into somebody with the intent of wrecking them. I mean, Stevie Wonder texted me and told me that, right? So <laughs> with that said, they have a I mean, remember they kicked out turbo for a night, right? I mean, I guess it was on a yellow or after the race where he kind of bumped into the guy or whatever. I mean, he did drive into him and kind of climbed him, but this was probably in more vindictive, I guess, than that. In my opinion, he just kind of teed him up. 
do they do they penalize some people more than others? Did he lose his points for the night, which he's in like 82nd anyway? Um, you know, I'm kind of curious how how did they handle it? Have you guys heard anything on how the was there a fine levy, a penalty, anything on Jimmy Owens for intentionally wrecking somebody? Uh, I have not heard anything, and I'd, I'd be surprised if there's any punishment at all. He's yeah, a they, he's, a, he's a series regular. I'm sorry, but he's a series regular past so champion. So is Turbo. So is Turbo. <laughs> not a past champion. He's not a past champion, but I tell you what, Turbo has the You'll, most wins, right? Well, I know. I, I, yeah, I, Tur Turbo sells more tickets than Jimmy Owens, right? Well, and... and Speaking of Turbo, the race that Turbo won, I mean, he body slammed Hudson O'Neill um, in that race and spun Hudson out. <laughs> what? He would not do that. You're just making <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, you know, it, it, you're right. He did. I mean, that was flat out. But I'm just curious if there want to look into that, see if there was a fine levied or anything on Jimmy Owens. But who could go ahead? What do you got? Yeah, and I just looked. They finished 17th and 18th Friday night. So it looks like that was it for them. And yeah, you know, we don't want to. Uh, glaze over the fact that turbo took the series lead and wins now with seven wins uh but yes he he come by hudson was that friday yeah because tyler won on friday and he uh, ryan maybe as a racer if you saw that but you know it, it didn't really look intentional it looks like hudson left a little bit open there i was surprised that it was enough to send hudson all, all the way around and of course like we know you know hudson's still in this this point mathematically pretty tough but he's still in the in the fight and uh, you know, to, you know, stop the race to the back, uh, tough night for honey. And I guess, of course, honey's a, a local and I guess the booze were thick on, uh, on, uh, Tyler urban victory lane. Well, that's a no fault caution. Well, it's stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting racing. You know, if, if you give somebody like turbo an inch, he's taken a mile. It just is what it is. I would hate to race against him, but I love watching. Love it. I love it's great. I love I like watching him. I like watching Bobby Pierce. I would need a really big tough pit crew if I raced against them because there'd probably be fights every night, right? But the fact is they're they're entertaining. They sell tickets. But yeah, that you're exactly right. I mean, he flat out took out Huddy. I mean, Huddy, that was a rough deal for him. And that's just that no fault rule. I just I can't justify it. I heard a lot of people talking about that after the legendary 100, just how stupid that rule is. I don't know if you guys saw, did you see Joey Jensen um, flat out dump a guy, um, I think night one of the legendary 100? No, just, Jensen back behind a wheel? He's running a B mod, and he oh. flat out just, the guy got into him first, and then he just flat out yard sale, cut his tire, spun him out, got his spot back, and it's like, people are just <laughs> sticking that no-fault rule, but, I mean, again, a guy like Turbo is going to capitalize on that, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. If the Lucas Oil Series, right, or World of Outlaw does not want him winning races, right, if they don't like him, if they got a target on his back, the first thing they can do is start making calls because he'll go to the back like every fourth race, right, you know, because he's not afraid to use the bumper. Right now they got rules in place that clearly benefit him, you know, so <clears throat> interesting. You know, it's like you said, interesting that he's got seven wins. RTJ a rough week. That was a pretty vicious rollover on night one. That car looked like it was uh, probably going to the scrapyard after that one. And then uh, night number three, that Jimmy Owens, a guy that man, he struggled all year. I think he has one. Oh, he won on a prelim night earlier this year, didn't he? Or 
just in the last month or something? Doesn't he have one win in Lucas? I think I'm not positive. Well, I think he has one of those half wins, doesn't he? That yeah, one of those. I, think that... they, I don't think they split the field. I think they ran the whole. I guess I don't know. It was a prelim night for sure. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the finales, but he finally got a win. That was actually a good race. You know, he yeah. kind of swapped the lead there with Moran. In Moran, you know, Devin chucked a slider there one and two. He crossed him over. And I don't know if you noticed, but Moran dipped it off the front straightaway on that last lap coming off four, almost gave the win away. And Moran, they were side by side at the line, spread out, and he just edged them the line. So it's good for racing when you get Jimmy Owens back in victory. You know, he, he's one of the guys that needs to win. Puka, what do you got? Yeah, just one win. I'm looking here. But you know what? Vaulted to third in points. He what? He's vaulted to third in points. Jimmy Owens is third in yeah. points. Herb fourth. Davenport fifth. You know, Bronson, you know, he kind of fell off the radar. He had a great I-80. had a great Cedar Lake. He's fallen off the radar. He's sixth. Ricky Thornton seventh. Like I said, rough weekend rollover. Josh Richards is eighth, amazingly. I mean, Josh Richards has had a season. He hasn't even had a season. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, Mar Clanton and Marla round out to top 10. So McCready, Hudson, Owens, Herb, Davenport, Bronson, Thornton, Richards, Clanton, Marlar. That's your Davenport top 10. Davenport is still fourth after missing. Yeah. Fifth. 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 After missing these three races. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. So now another question is, you know, and I got this from Jeff, kind of the fan question of the week brought to you, of course, by Cowboy Up Racing. How do you think Jonathan Davenport made a mistake by not going to Texas? Um, I mean, you can all, I mean, hindsight is 2020. You don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the Lucas rules are as far as for their show up money and that sort of thing. I mean, how many races can you miss uh, before you start losing that? Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he knew he was going to get COVID this weekend and miss this race, he probably would have gone to Texas. Well, if he would have gone to Texas, maybe he wouldn't have gotten COVID. So who knows? <laughs> true. That's yeah, true. I, Another yeah, I agree. Just, uh, hindsight's 2020. You know, what you, that'd be a great place for you fans to comment or on any of this, you know, on the Hudson Tyler Herb incident, on the Owens uh, Gilpin incident, but yeah, just you know, kind of throw your comments and uh, you I mean, know, should have could have automatically still in it, but T Mac had a pretty big lead, you know, he was gonna have yeah. to he was yeah. gonna have to make something happen to win it. And you know, let's face it, it's a double play, double pay in Vegas if you raced all three. So, looking money wise, money wise, he at where even to take COVID out of it, he would have been smarter to go to Texas and Vegas, money. Well, and this was supposed to be the big weekend. If he raced, was he going to get those points? Because Thursday's race was the icebreaker for March. Was he going to get show-up points for showing up now, even though he didn't show up in March because he was at Bristol in March, right? Because a certain amount of show-up points with Lucas. You know, Lucas, the way Lucas and Wu do their points is a lot different. Even, I think, fast qualifier with Lucas gets 10 points. There's nothing with Wu. So the way they do the points is very and Lucas, you can accumulate many more points in a night than Wu. Uh, right. I don't know all the exact details, but uh, so this was supposed to be the weekend to see, you know, it, how this mathematically was all going to work. And then, of course, he gets COVID and can't even show. And so here we are. It's team title basically for 2021. 
for sure. And did you notice the track was a hell of a lot rougher night one than night two and three? Did you notice that? Do you think yeah, they yeah. did that on purpose? Do you think the night one was kind of a, you know, that was kind of the makeup <laughs> of the year when it was rough? Well, let's make it like it was then. Back in March. Yeah. Much of rain before that. And, uh, you know, it was it was definitely cowboy up on night one. Another side note here, <clears throat> did you see Gold Digger was racing? Bert, did you see that? Brayton Laster, I'll post the picture on here, <clears throat> local kid, never been in a Lucas race ever in his life, right? And, and he had two cars with him in the car. He hurt his primary car. I think he hurt the motor, and he made the feature, and he took out a car. It literally looked like a, I don't know, a 1985 fifth design how. I mean, it was. I mean, Oof. Was he, was he in the gold thirteen car? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I saw that car spin out on the front stretch in front of a bunch of other cars, and I thought, oh, that's a local boy. Are they gonna are they gonna force him off the track now? <laughs> he put a big long post on on Facebook about man, I, I didn't have time to even put the right gears in it. <clears throat> you know, we just got out there, and you know, hopefully, I didn't ruin anybody's night. And you know, he it was kind of like I'm just. I'm like a, a fat kid at prom. I'm just happy to be here, right? You know, it's kind of where he was. And uh, so kind of a cool story, but I looked at that car. I'm like, what in the world is that thing? I mean, it was a pile. I mean, it was definitely not a current model of a late model. Let's put it that way. So good racing though, overall. Um, I thought it was pretty darn entertaining all three nights over at Brownstown. You know, let's, uh, let's talk about some sprint car racing briefly. World of Outlaw Sprints, of course, they raced at Eldora and at Lernerville this past weekend. They got a big one coming up this weekend. But uh, <clears throat> night number one, Logan Schuhart, who's been quick at Eldora, David Gravel, he won on night two. He won at Lernerville. Anything stick out to you guys on either one of those two shows in the World of Outlaw Sprint Car World? Um, well, it's uh, <clears throat> surprising to be talking about a week of world of outlaw sprint car racing and not seeing brad sweet in victory lane uh he had some tough luck at eldora he had two flat right rear tires during that race so that kind of uh put a damper on on his race uh at eldora and uh one thing that stuck out to me at eldora too was uh donnie shots was pretty racy i mean he was battling for the lead and and stuff throughout the race so uh you know it's good to see him you know running up front he got second at the King's Royal. Remember that? He uh, kind of made that last lap surge on Kyle Larson to try to get by him, came up a little bit short at the line. So he's he's been quick. To, that was uh, Knoxville. What, what was that? Knoxville. Was that Knoxville? Was that Knoxville? Yeah. That yeah. Was, Knoxville. Knoxville. was right there. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. My bad. So needless to say, Shots has been good the second half of the season. He's been good. Yeah. Um, you know who else has been fast the second half of the season is McFadden. Just or like in the last month. Yes. McFadden. He had that vicious roll, if you remember, at Rapid City on their way out west a few weeks ago to go to California and spend. Uh, and then he won, you know, snagged one out there. And he got a second place or a third place at Eldora. So he's, you know, he he's an Austrian. You know, if you guys don't know, he's from Australia. But And then how about Logan Short? Like I said, a pretty quiet six-win season, you know. I mean, you know, that that's decent, you know, and, but but pretty quiet. Just but And he likes the half miles. You know, he seems to be a little bit better on those bigger tracks. So I got a question for both of you guys. So over the weekend, Jeff sent me this. Um, Gravel gained 36 points on Brad Sweet over the weekend. He's 120 points back with nine shows left. 
Do you think Gravel can chase down and pass him and steal the points from him at the end of the year? Mm, go ahead, Bert. Um, I mean, mathematic. I mean, yes, it's possible. Is it going to happen? No, I don't, I don't think so. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I, I know it's mathematically possible. Do you think he will? No, I don't think he will. Um, I just think Brad Sweet is too good. I mean, yeah, Gravel gained 30-some points this week, but, I mean, um, uh, Sweet had two flat tires at Eldora, so that's where he gained all, all the points because Sweet, I believe, finished second in in the second race. Um, so, I mean, as long as Sweet doesn't have bad luck like that throughout the rest of the nine races, um, they're not going to pass him. Yeah, not going to happen. Uh, Sweet, like I said, two flat tires at Eldora. A flat tire while leading the Kings Royal back in July. You know, I think it was the race that Courtney won. I think it was the first race. But remember, he got a flat there. So just when is he going to get two flat tires in the, in the next nine races in one in a single race? You know what I mean? Probably not going to happen. Brad Sweet will win three in a row. He'll be your champion here in 2021. What do you think, Ryan? More than likely, but I'm going to pull for Brown, right? <clears throat> He's sponsored by a, a Minnesota guy, right? He's sponsored by Jack's Motorplex, Q-Sets. So I'd like to see Gravel get it done. But, man, that's a tall task. 120 points on the reigning champ, not likely. Probably not likely. So a little bit of modified action this past weekend in Minnesota on the USMPS and USRA show, the Fall Jamboree down at the Deer Creek Speedway. Always one of the best shows. If you're a mod fan and you haven't been to the Fall Jamboree, you got to get it's, it's good. I mean, I, I know that you guys don't even like late models. You're big mod guys. I'm surprised you haven't been there. But uh, that's the place to go. Really good racing every night. In uh, day one and day two, the local guy, Jake Tim, parked it in Victory Lane the first two nights. First night was USRA. Then it was USMTS. And then night three, the question was, can he sweep the weekend? Jake got it done. Not Jake Tim. Jake O'Neill on night number three. <laughs> He won the B main and he came from 15th to win. And if you look at my race pass, like a lot of the guys in the top five came from deep. So a testament to the Deer Creek Speedway on how much passing there was, but really the big drama, the big story, so to speak, was night one. So I don't remember. I think, I don't know if it was a heat race or a, a maybe it was a feature. Was it the feature that happened? And I don't remember. <clears throat> maybe it was a feature, but there was an incident with Josh Inks and Brooks strength. Okay. So Brooks strength coming to the corner in the, the camera didn't show it, right. It didn't show the incident where Brooks strength threw a slider on, on Josh angst. It didn't show it very well anyway. And, but everybody said, well, it was kind of a dirty slider. It is what it is. And they come down into turn number three, Josh angst teed him up. He just drove right through his left rear, stuck them both in the wall, wrecked both their cars and then all hell broke. Okay, <clears throat> Brooks Frank jumps out of his car and he does what I'm going to call a Lauren Inman, who's a buddy of mine, and he did a carb stomp. Lauren did that in Proctor years back. I'm like, holy cow, that was this guy's crazy, right? <laughs> he goes, he's jumping up and down on the guy's hood, right? <clears throat> and he gets down, he's throwing haymakers in the cockpit at Josh Angst. Now, USRA is the weekly series for USMPS, same promoter, Todd Staley. I was surprised, first of all, <clears throat> that they didn't just say, go home, you're done for the week. I mean, you're jumping up and down on somebody's car and throwing punches at them. I was surprised, <laughs> but 
you know, it is what it is, you know, the wild, wild west. And it was entertaining. It sells tickets and uh, he kept racing. They, and what I liked is racing dirt went down and interviewed both of them afterwards. What happened? And, and you could tell Brooks strength is like, he's kind of got that mindset. If he comes back over here, I'll throw more punches. And you could tell Josh angst was a little bit more careful with his words. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to just like find my P's and Q's. He give me a dirty slider, but I'm not going too far because that means, you know, he didn't say it, but that dude's crazy. But uh, <laughs> you know whose fault this whole deal was, don't you? <laughs> I know. It's Hot Carl's. Hot totally. Carl. He's totally. a troublemaker. Flat out <laughs> troublemaker, right? If you remember USA Nationals <clears throat> last year, introductions, USA Nationals, probably the best driver's introductions for the A main and in dirt track racing, super cool. He rode on the car with Turbo. That very night, Turbo gets a year suspension. <laughs> he pits for Brooks Strength. Now Brooks Strength is boxing and jumping up and down on cars. I think he's the instigator in this whole deal. Carl's troublemaker. Kind of like him. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Please comment here. Is Hot Carl a troublemaker? He's he, he <laughs> trouble. Carl, a troublemaker, right? Write that so, down. Might be you know, where's he heading? He's heading to Lone Star Speedway, right? He Texas? is. I mean, down there. The troubling cost down there, but there's like, what, two or three hundred cars? Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. That That's a pretty unique event down there. But, yeah, he's like, man, people were blowing up my phone and texting me and all that because he was pitting for me. did this whole deal. Like, I'm pitting for Brooks Strength, and then all hell breaks loose. It was pretty entertaining, nonetheless. You can jump on to uh, – racing dirt on facebook and they have a, a short little video interviewing those two drivers <clears throat> shows the incident kind of a cool deal and then uh bert there's another mod race that happened the race for hope 71 imca modified action fifty thousand dollars to win i don't know if they pay with monopoly money down there or what i've never said that's kind of crazy but down in batesville well, fill us in what happened down in batesville uh well uh fifty thousand to win like you said um zane zane de vildes uh, from new mexico won and terry phillips was second uh but uh there were a handful of uh modified drivers from northeast wisconsin who made the trip down there and two of them made the feature uh benji lacrosse who's from green bay uh started seventh in the feature started sixth in the feature and finished seventh and then mike mullen who we talked about earlier in the show um he uh qualified for the feature started 20th uh according to a, a post he posted on facebook he was up to six late in the race but then on a restart uh he got shuffled back or something happened and he wound up not finishing and finishing 23rd but another interesting thing about mike mullen uh, was he qualified for the feature uh I'm not sure how many nights of qualifying there are, but uh, he qualified in one of the earlier nights. And uh, just like at the Wasota 100, drivers have the opportunity to give their spot back if they think that they can qualify in a better position in one of the <laughs> upcoming nights. So he had qualified and he was gonna be starting like 19th in the feature. So he gave up that spot because he thought that he could qualify uh, better than that and uh, which is a little risky I mean you drive all the way down 
down to Batesville from Wisconsin and, you know, you qualify and you give up a spot, but he did wind up getting back, requalifying uh, one of the following nights. So he did get, get into the feature. Uh, one thing I found interesting, I did not watch any of the racing, uh, but I was following results and stuff on Facebook and my race pass. And cause like, uh, Benji won his heat one night and for qualifying. So I thought, well, he, he should be starting up, you know, up towards the front in a qualifying feature. And he was starting like 12. Well, they have like 15 heats, they, six car heats. They only have like six cars in a heat, which was, which I thought was kind of strange, you know, that you would right. start so few cars. So, but was it passing points or was he just in the 12 feet? <laughs> I, I'm not sure how they lined up the feature or, you know, I don't know if it was, well, even if it was passing points, you don't get many points in a six car heat. No, um, and, and I, I but, tell you what, you know, I, you mentioned, you know, start qualifying starting 19th and giving up for that spot. That that's what racers do. Right. I mean, some people right. go to the track, like I want to make the show. They don't have that mindset. They're like, I'm going here to win the show. And that's, you know, so you're not going to win for 19. Not very often. Well, well and I, I give him a tip of the cap on that. I think that's and, just... and that's what he 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 made a post on Facebook after he did it, and that's what he said. He said, "We're not going to win the race from 19th, um, so you know we're going to uh, we gave the spot back, and we're going to give it a try in the next qualifying uh, night." And uh, then after after they drew numbers for the next qualifying night, he wasn't quite sure about his decision because he drew a bad number. Uh, but he still qualified for the feature, so that was that was good. Mm -hmm. Another side note here, uh, Ricky Lemon, <clears throat> a note to you. Get Mike Mullen some Wasoda stuff. So when we have the big late model races, right, you can bring a, a Wasoda late model over to things like the Red Clay, the Punky, the Mater. Get that guy over there as a as a fan over in this area. We want him coming over our direction because he's a hell of a racer. I think he can make some noise over there. Puka, what's your thoughts on that? Would you like to see uh, Mike, Mike Mullen make the trip over? Yeah, modified and late model. You know, get that checkbook going. Let's go. We want to see them both. <laughs> yeah, make it rain. Make it rain. Yeah, <laughs> we want to see. Yeah, totally. So let let's get into it. Uh, I think we'll jump into some uh, who's hot. And who's not Puka? Brought to you by. Oh, our good friends over at Blue Line Brews. Now, let me tell you something here, folks. Uh, K cups have been, they're, they're in, uh, they're, they're being sampled, they're getting some of the artwork done, uh, you know, the packaging, all that stuff. So stay tuned if you're, if you're a K cup person. Uh, you know, this would be right up your alley. Of course, if you haven't heard Blue Line Brews, bluelinebrews.com. Uh, link in the show notes, but you can go over there, order some great coffee. 10% of the profits go back to the men and women in blue, back to families actually who have had the unfortunate incident of losing a family member uh, in the line of duty. Uh, give them a like on Facebook. You, know, you can follow the K-Cup situation if you're interested in those. Also, these mugs that we use that we love are in too. So they, uh, they're not quite out for sale yet, but they got their some of their mugs in. So you know, give them a follow, a like on Facebook, and you'll be able to see updates on when the K-Cups and the mugs are in. So Bert, I think that Puka needs to get you and I a Blue Line Bruce up there. I, I don't have all. Well, that's Yeah, they've been very <laughs> limited. Yeah, so we, we got to get ours. We'll send you our address so you can get that over to You're us. You're at so. the top of the list. <laughs> there you go. So who's hot? I, I, 
I, I'm drinking out of a cup that I got from the USA Nationals there, the um, like three, four years ago. The smoothies, the smoothie oh, the smoothie. place. <laughs> Is that the kind of cup that Puka spilled all over you guys? Um, no, <laughs> that was actually a can, wasn't it? No. Yeah, that was a straight can of silver bullet. If I can remember correctly, Bert, I don't know. Where was yeah, no, I, I, I believe it was a can of beer. <laughs> so who's hot? Bert, who do you got? Um, I'm going to put uh, Jimmy Mars. I uh, got another uh, victory at the Punky Manor. Uh, it was his 11th Punky Manor victory. And, um, and that's coming off the Wissota 100 victory. So, I mean, he's definitely deserving to be on the list. And although he didn't get a win last weekend, he got two podium finishes last week. Uh, so AJ Demo finished uh, in the top three in the modified feature as well as the late model feature. And then on the national scene, uh, also another driver who didn't get a win, but he's, he's always right there recently is Devin Moran. Uh, he is really putting together a really good season this year. So, uh, you know, it's good to see for him. He sure is. And now, uh, Puka, who do you got? Well, I agree with Bert. You know, uh, Jimmy Mars, he was over 100 win. I know another Punky Matter Manor title. So, congrats to him. Shane Sabrasky, like I said, you know, came two days to Bemidji. You know, had some, some trouble getting over to, wanted to see come over and see you in Watertown on Friday, Ryan. Had some trouble with the hauler or trailer. Uh, but, you know, did what he needed to do. You know, two wins in the Super, two wins in the Mod. And then our buddy Trevor Anderson, Dirt Tracks Play. You know, two podiums. It was two second place finishes in the late model. Uh, you know, he was strong. Where was it? Was it the? Yeah, he he did okay at the sites too a couple weeks ago. I mean, I got it. You know, I don't he know did, if he's ever he raced the late model. But, you know, he was. Yeah, yeah. Or okay, yeah. So you know, he's kind of been in the conversation, but a really good week and this weekend. You know, over in Watertown. How about you, Ryan? So I got you know Sabraski. I got him. I mean, the money's on the line. The points are coming down to the wire. He's in these type title uh, races and he got four wins, two in the super two in the mod. And he's really, he locked up the national championship in the super. And now he's in position to have a, a bid. There's four races left. There's only four. And that's if the Can-Am clash happens, like it hasn't happened yet in superior because <laughs> of weather. But if that one's happened, there's four races left and he's put himself in position to battle it out for a national championship, the cream rising to the top yet again with Shane Sabraski and then Lucas Rodin. You know, this kid here, <clears throat> I mean, the pressure's on. They ran the features in Jamestown after the features got done and shared in both nights. Tough to pass uh -huh. in Jamestown. And he knew, he knew going into the feature that crap, Tony Liker won. Now I have to leave, right? Yeah. And he got it done both nights. Fresh off the Wissota 100, fresh off winning the payload at the sites. He's been extremely hot in they, that national title race coming right down to the wire as well. <clears throat> national Series, I got Turbo. Leading Lucas Oil wins with seven. Um, two wins at Knoxville, a win at Brownstown. Maybe a little controversy in that one, but that's Turbo. That's just normal. That comes with it. And uh, Terrence Basek, I have him down in the Super. He got second at the Funky. Second at the legendary, and he he had it won. He broke coming to the line. He broke, otherwise he would have won. Um, he won the Jimtown Showdown. 
He uh, got fifth that Labor Day, but he won the Wasota Classic. He had a couple wins before that. He's been really, really good on the last month in that 22. So let's get into who's not. Bert, who do you got? Who's not? Um, we mentioned him earlier in the show, uh, Kyle Bronson. I mean, he had a really good streak going where he was running in the top 10, top five, and um, you just don't hear his name anymore. And he had some bad luck this last weekend. Uh, so uh, he's on my list. And then a driver I've beat up on all season long, uh, leaving him on my list, uh, Josh Richards. I mean, he just, I, I just don't know what, what to say about him this year. I mean, he's just not even competitive. I mean, I think he started on the front row in one of those races this last week. And I mean, where was he at the end? And then I'm going to locally, I'm going to put uh, Pat Dora in the list. I mean, last year, this was his time. This was when he was shining the brightest was invitational season. And you're just not hearing his name this year. So I'm, I'm putting him on the list. Well, I'll give him a little love. He did win both nights of the Northern Nationals, so he, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, Puka, who do you got? I got to agree with Bert. He let me down last weekend at the Legendary. I picked him, and he couldn't get a victory lane that Pat door. <laughs> Shame on him. Uh, well, like I said, I, I just real disappointed in the in the Iron Range car just not getting over to Jamestown, and really not even. I think Harry was the only late model. I'm, I'm talking late models now. I don't think there were any Iron, you know, besides Devin Van House, but the Iron Range guys didn't really show up at Jamestown. I think Harry was the only guy down at the punky in a late model just, just because I know they've had, you know, some success out there at Jamestown. They brought some, you know, brought some money home in the past. So a little disappointed. Bronson was also on the list. And it's RTJ. We talked about about a month ago. Do you think he's, we talked about Marlar RTJ. And I think it was Johnny Scott. And they win another one this year. Didn't think Marlar could do it. He does it. I thought RTJ was in the conversation to win one more. Said a terrible weekend, uh, you know, the rollover and everything. So just just a, a, a tough deal there for him. Uh, so that's kind of who I have. How about you, Ryan? I think you're stealing my notes. I got to be honest with you. My number one on the on the list. I don't have Iron Range cars. I got Kibbing Raceway Racing Culture, right? Because Invitational season and like they're not they ain't going anywhere. I mean, you barely. I mean, there's a handful. Of course, Burdick. We still call him a Kibbing car, and a couple of them went down to Fergus. But my goodness, I remember back in the not too long ago when all the invitationals would have a ton of cars from the Hibbing Grand Rapids area. And it's like, none of these guys go anywhere. So it just kind of, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, it doesn't speak well to the future of dirt track racing in Hibbing right now. Is there anybody there that's like really passionate about it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of well, sad to What's going on with Massigal? Because he's not afraid to travel. Did he break a motor or something? Okay, yeah. yeah. So he, did he race the legendary weekend? No, he was at the Northern right. Nationals. He was down to one engine. He was taking the lead in the heat race. It was his type of track, slow on the bottom type deal. He was taking the lead, hurt a motor. So okay. I figured him out. Yeah. Okay. So if, if there's somebody that's hungry, it'd probably be him. But, you know, you don't see problems. You know, like Derek Bessel's traditionally gone out to Jamestown, Peterland. Yep. But Peterland. Hardy said he's done for the year. Burdick gave up on points. So it's just weird to me that you know, just don't see – you don't have the, the same intensity. I remember, you know, it was 10, 15 years ago. I mean, back when I was racing, 
Hibbing was the place in our area where we had a lot of cars, a lot of fans, a lot of hunger, and there just ain't people going. So just the overall culture there, something's got to change. I have RTJ, um, a DNF, a 14th and a DNF. He rolled over. He had all kinds of problems this weekend. In his last 11 shows, zero podiums. <laughs> zero podiums in his last 11 shows. And then in the Midwest Mods, a guy that I kind of hyped up early in the year, Adam Brotherton out in South Dakota. I mean, I don't know what happened. It was a month and a half ago. It just, the light switch went on. He went from winning, 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 winning to like not even top five, like just terrible. I mean, and like he was looking like he was going to be a national title contender and he didn't even go to his home track invitational. Like he <laughs> skipped out totally on going to the casino speedway and kind of dodged that group and went up to Jamestown. He wasn't very good up there. I'm not sure what to think about that whole deal. So let's uh, let's talk about our picks from this last weekend. And Bert, I'm telling you what, man, you're a little too close for comfort. Um, social distancing in the points battle here. You're just going to have to take a week off. I'm at 27. Bert's now at 26. You only won behind me. You need to be at least six. Was it six points behind? Is that what it is? Six or points six, behind? Or six points ahead. <laughs> You know, you don't need to be so negative. You got a poor attitude over here. <laughs> then uh, Jeff's at 20. He got into 20. He's at 15. Hook is at 14. He's at 12. This week, of course, we got lots of stuff we're picking. Um, my favorite one, the late models over at the Red Clay Classic at the ABC Raceway. Got a couple World of Outlaw races, Cherokee and Sonoya. A couple Lucas races, the Great Lakes 50 and the Pittsburgher 100. The Woo Buggies, of course, at Williams Grove. That's a big one, 75,000 to win day two. But if we had to pick one, we'll get back to it here. If we had to pick just one, I want your lock of the week. Puka, you're first. Saturday night, Granite City, Shane Sabraski, and the Super Stock gets her done. Interesting. We'll find out if he's going to be there first. It'll be either be there or Madison, but that's a good pick. Bert. Uh, AJ Dima wins the Red Clay Classic in Ashland. What class? Late model. <laughs> Late model. Late model. All right. All right. Because I have a Red Clay Classic pick as well, and I'm going to go with the 81 of Ashley Anderson to get her done. He flat out dominated the 444 Memorial for Tanner Byholm already this year up there. And then, of course, he just gave him a beatdown up at the Punky Manor. Ashley Anderson put together a hell of a season. That's my pick up there. So let's get into the last lap. Of course, brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines. Uh, tip of the cap to Frank over at Zuli's. <coughs> Builds a great motor. Thanks for his support. This is a time of year you're already sh you should already be thinking about next year. If you're done racing, if you're not racing for points, get a hold of them because don't do this, okay? Most racers bring their engine to them in like February or to any engine builder. And they're like, well, I need it back in about six weeks here. They all bring them at the same time. Okay. Get your stuff out of the car at the end of the year, get it over to Frank. So he has, you know, a little bit more time to work on it. Get yourself in the front of the line. And uh, this weekend, Kyle Dykoff dominated over at Casino Speedway. He a pair of wins in a Zuli race engine and Billy Crest, a guy that, you know, he has a handful of wins on the year. He won day one of the Jamestown stock car stampede up there. So every single week, Zuli Race Engines in Victory Lane, it's time to get yours. So what do you guys got? Uh, let's talk a little bit crate racing. What happened in the crate racing world this weekend? 
You want me to go, Bert? Yeah, you go. All right. So Joseph Joyner from Hunt to Front fame, many of you might know who he is, but gets a big $50,000 to win uh, race uh, in front of Diller, uh, Kay Diller. You know, found a crate for that one, which isn't surprising. You know, we talked about, you know, Ryan, I mean, we've had Sharon on some of our texts. Why do we even have A mods? Half the B mod guys are, uh, are, are, you know, old mod guys now. Well, look at a guy like Kay Diller, the world of all our regular last few years uh, with 50,000 on the line. You, you can't blame him, but. Uh, yeah, Joyner had that capital car pretty hooked up, led virtually flag to flag. But, uh, you know, it, it should be a good show this week if you're a Hunt to Front follower. Uh, but a big, huge victory for a, a pretty, what you call them, kind of a moderate team. You know, I mean, they're not too, too serious. Uh, you know, they want to be competitive, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them over-the-top racers. Yeah, they're, they're up and coming, right? They've been around. And, of course, they, uh, they're putting on that show, the, the late model show, super yeah. late model down at their home track in Milton, Florida, um, here in what is a couple months away yet. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> Dale McDowell, so he won a Southern All-Star race, but a little news on Dale McDowell. Uh, did you guys see what happened there? Yes, uh, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer, and he had surgery yesterday. And uh, from what I've read is uh, surgery went great. Doctor said everything went as, as uh, scheduled. And uh, it sounds like he, that's all they, he just needed the surgery. They're not gonna do any chemo or anything. So uh, I believe they said he's got like a six week recovery time, but uh, prayers for him for a speedy recovery. And, you know, hopefully they got all of it and, you know, it, you know he recovers well. Uh, my understanding is that, uh, he knew about this for a while, but they just didn't tell anybody. So, yeah, that's good to see that that surgery went well. One of the good guys in the sport, you know, he's well spoken, won a lot of races, class act. You don't really hear too much controversy with Dale McDowell. Usually he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. So, you know, prayers for a, a speedy recovery for him. And did you see that wreck? Um, so, Hot Shoe, UMP mod driver Mike Harrison. Did you see that wreck, Puka? I think I sent you the video. I might have yeah. sent it to both of you over at Tri-City. He had a vicious rollover. You make the call. Like, what happened there? Would you call that on him? Would you call that on the guy on the inside? I think it was nicely on the inside. What was your take on that deal? Uh, you know, to be honest, I can't remember enough about it. I remember it was the back stretch. I remember, and yeah. I remember it being vicious. But, I, yeah, it looked innocent coming out of two. And then I don't know how they – did he ride up? You went over yeah. the tire. Jumped his tire. See those open wheel cars. That's why I'm a late model <laughs> fan. Dangerous. Dangerous. I still think the most vicious rollover we saw year long was a late model. What was that? <laughs> well, maybe maybe it was Strand's mod at Ada, but yeah. that late model rollover, what was that at Sean? Was that at Sean? Plymouth. At Plymouth. Plymouth. Brad Miller. That, that was by that was violent. So, yeah, that was a wicked roll. You make the call. We'll put the video up here. Let the fans make the call on that one. And uh, anything else that you guys have on uh, the last lap here? No, I just wanted to – I know you said it was kind of old news, but uh, Kyle Hammer, uh, you know, going to join the Woo in 2022. And then did you say he found the uh, the the, uh, the old uh, Eckert Orange Mobile? He did. He's got he, – they bought Eckert's old big hauler. <laughs> yep. sounds, so the old race like they're gonna head down to the uh, world finals in charlotte oh okay get their feet wet so the old ray vest 
orange. I don't even know how, what would you even call that thing? I mean, do you have that orange? I don't, I don't know how to describe the pumpkin. Maybe it's the great pumpkin hauler or something, but uh, yeah, that one definitely stuck out. That was iconic. And he was just, well, one of the years he came to Hibbing there. So 16, 17, whatever years we we're having the woo, he, he had the, he had that in, in town. Uh, he had, you know, cause he had Ray had, when Ray passed away, he had given all that stuff to him. And so uh, that's that uh, the great pumpkin has graced the Hibbing raceway. It has, it has. <laughs> so let's get to it. Let's end with this. You know, not a lot of racing left locally, right? Not a ton, but there's still some national title implications on the line. Of course, there's a lot of stuff on the national scene still happening. But what's your guys' must-see events of the week? Of course, Puka, before we get to that, this segment brought to you by... Yes, L&M Radiator. So, you know, we've been talking about these guys. So you've got that guy that's just bothering you. Like, he, like you, I know you're a racer and you're working on your car and this guy, he just comes through the garage door and he just wants to drink beer and, and you're trying to get some work done. You're trying to get your tires prepared. He needs a job. Masabi, M-E-S-A-B-I dot com, Masabi dot com. They're looking for all kinds of positions, high school degree, two-year degree, four-year degree. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they'll train you. These are good jobs, good family-run business. They build these massive radiators that that go in large equipment, like the big, like Caterpillar dump trucks and that stuff. I don't want to say they're exactly Caterpillars, but those style, like mining type equipment, these massive radiators, like the, you know, size of a, a a garage. You know, they haul them on these these big flatbed semis. So a lot of welders, especially, is, is kind of their forte. So if you're looking for a gig or you know someone that is L and M radiator masabi.com go to the website right in the upper right hand corner there's a big uh uh you know bleep there for you know hi or join the team now i believe it says and you just click that link and get do your app everything is right online so we want to thank lnm radio they've been with us a long time all summer here uh appreciate everything they've done with us you know lnm radiator of course right giving i remember a year man this is a long time ago probably 20 years ago kevin sleen i think he bought every single radiator m west racing had i think it was like a dozen of them or something Maybe he should have went over to LNM Radiator, got a big industrial one to put in. Maybe it would have lasted longer at the time. I'm not really sure. I got to give, I got to pick on my buddy Kevin, track champion this year at the Hibbing Raceway. So yes. Tip of the cap to him, too. So, Bert, let's start with you. You know, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, are, number one, are, are either of you guys going to any races this weekend or just going to be watching online? I am not going to any races. I'll just be watching online. And um, before I do my three, uh, Puka, if you're keeping a running tally, we didn't talk about this yet tonight. Uh, Brandon Overton got another $12,000. So add that to his tally ah. for, <laughs> for okay, the Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, we got, we got our buddy Goose, who's <laughs> a loyal listener. He's, he's, he went back and did all the numbers as far as seconds, thirds, fifths, and everything. So Goose, another twelve grand for Overton. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, we the march to one million. It, it's gonna it's be close, and it's gonna be interesting. Good for him. He's all right. So uh, I'm gonna go uh, the Lucas races uh, at the top of my list. Uh, be interested to see if uh, Owens can uh, if he's turned his luck around. And um, next, I'm gonna go with the uh, Red Clay Classic at uh, Ashland. And after that, uh, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, they're going into uh, into an area where they have their own sprint car uh, following. So it's always good to see them go into that area of the country and to see the two groups compete against each other. The Woo versus the Posse. It's, it's going <laughs> to be 75 grand. Is that, 
Is that their biggest show pay-wise of the year? Well, no, the, the no. King Royal. Yeah. I yeah the King Royal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was big. Except, yeah, yeah, that was a that was huge. And the well, Knoxville even, Nationals, even the, no the Knoxville right? Nationals is, yeah. what, 100 and – I think the Kings Royal beat Knoxville this year, but normally Knoxville's the most, right, at 150,000. Or maybe maybe Eldora is. So someone comment on here, you hardcore spring car people. What do you know, yeah. Bert? Well, what, wasn't the Kings Royal 175,000? Yeah. Might have been. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. That was this year. But, of course, the yeah. Dream paid a lot more and everything to this year, you know, so yeah. – but I think in a normal year, Knoxville might be number one at like 150 grand. I mean, if Overton would have just pulled a Kyle Larson and maybe won one of those races, he'd be at a million dollars. <laughs> just saying. Hey, did, did you see he was in a micro sprint taking I some laps? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, don't count him out. Don't count yeah, him out just yet. Never say never for sure. The guy can final drive. So how about you, Puka? What are you looking forward to this week? Well, at, at Ashland, there's a chance. I, I actually got a, a free hotel. I came across at the inn, the beautiful inn on Lake Superior, so I could could run and 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 get a night there. Um, I would say right now the odds are pretty slim. Where where are the sprints again? They're up at uh, what is it, Williams Grove? Williams yeah. Grove. That, yeah, yeah, why did I count? Yeah, okay, okay. But no, I well, so first of all, I want this Devil's Lake thing. Got thrown on the, the schedule late. I'm interested to see that. Not just the racing, but are they tough enough to be like the Wisconsin Cheeseheads who have been racing in cold? It's the first weekend of October, folks, in northern North Dakota and northern Wisconsin. It's cold up here. The days are really getting short. Do they have the toughness out of Devil's Lake to actually make this thing happen? <laughs> now, you do that they have, a, they have the bar and restaurant right there, too, right? So that provides some cover, you, you know. But, you know, half the reason the people in Wisconsin can make is they go to the armory and there's so much booze and fun that they don't even know if they're cold or not you know they come back with frostbite and it takes two weeks to heal up they didn't even know what happened because they've had so much fun at the armory so i'm going to kind of keep an eye on that devil's lake deal i just kind of see how that goes of course the red clay classic been around a long time the event i've been to um a handful of times like i said maybe this year kind of depends on weather i'm just getting too old to uh, dress in a, uh, a snowmobile suit and watch racing the pittsburgher 100 if you remember this one last year this is a big track a lot of blown tires, a lot of drama last year. I think T-Mac led laps, blew a tire. But I know that RTJ was victorious last year in this one. But a lot of blown tires. It's a big, big abrasive track. So whoever can manage tires will be the one who comes out on top on Saturday night. How about you, Ryan? What you got your well, eyes on? First of all, right, I looked at the forecast for Devil's Lake on Saturday, high of 74. So I think the weather's going to oh. be pretty good up oh, yeah, at the Devil's Playground okay. up there. Sounds like they have uh, quite a few of the NLRA region late models confirmed to be there. So hopefully that's a good show. Um, and the other thing, the Pittsburgh are 100. Good Lord. Good Lord. I'm, oh, I'm here to yeah. tell you. So this is this Pittsburgh are 100. That's a Lucas race, right? So that's on Mav yeah. TV. Okay. Thank God. Cause I'd never go. Did you see the prices to get in for a one day, single day event, 20 grand to win. It is $50 general admission to sit in the grandstand. $60. $60 for a reserve seat, right? $75 for a pit pass. Are they like are they out of their mind? Like seriously, are they they're just gonna price themselves right out of this thing? That is ridiculous. I mean, I'll be curious to see. I guess on that show, what I'm gonna be curious to see is how big is the crowd, right? 
Because I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm not paying $50 to sit in the grandstands and watch a race. That's just not happening. Especially when I can watch it for free and I can watch like seven races at one time. I am not paying $50 to get in. That is absolutely. What is it? What's it cost to get into the USA Nationals? 30? Um, it, well, for three days, $95. Yeah, I was going to say about 90 bucks for, for all three days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you save like a little 30, bit by 30, 35. Then I'm guessing it's like. I, I just mailed in my money for my two tickets and it's $95 per ticket. That's yeah, a reserve that's seat. Yeah, that's a yeah. reserve seat. So I'll be honest with you. Cedar Lake Speedway is better than that track. Okay, I just be honest. It's better racing, better atmosphere. I, I was I was flabbergasted. I saw that on Facebook. I'm like, that can't be right. It was right. So here's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Red Clay Classics number one on the list. It just is what it is. I mean, all the top guys from Wisconsin, our area in Minnesota, they're going to have a good field of cars. They always do. You know, you're going to see some great racing up there. That's going to be on Dirt Race Central if you can't make it there. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to seeing who's going to wear the bridesmaid's dress because a lot of times the person that gets second in the feature makes more money than the person they got first because they have a bridesmaid bonus deal. Burdick said that. He goes, man, I made more money for second that year than I did than the guy that won it. So they, they do some pretty cool stuff up there. And they have like a, a bonus deal where they have a fans feature where out of all the late models that have pre-registered, they you can vote on it. And I think it's 14 or 16 cars go into the fans feature, and that's like 800 to win or something as well. So they Ooh. do a lot of unique stuff up at the ABC Raceway. Number two is the seventh annual Lose Madtown Showdown in Madison. But I'm going to tie that in with that and the Piston Cup, the first annual Piston Cup at the Granite City Motor Park. I'm going to put those kind of on an even playing field because I don't know who's going where as far as national. Everybody's kind of hush-hush right now on the national points. They're like, I'm not saying where I'm going because there's certain drivers that want to race against the others, and the other ones are like, I'm going to try to dodge that guy and get points. So it'll be interesting to see because I'm a points guy. I want to see how that plays out. <clears throat> and then the Lucas Oil MLRA doubleheader down at Sycamore. <clears throat> okay. I was originally going to go. I'm going to be in Des Moines for my business. I can't go. I got to, I got to be there for my regular business. It's the last race of the year. And of course my buddy Dave in a, in a heated battle right now, he's got a little bit of breathing room, but he had a DNF this last weekend trying to lock up the street stock points at Sycamore. This is actually on flow racing. So both Lucas oil MLRA races <coughs> at Sycamore are on flow racing. So I'll be able to watch all the racing action, which I'm super excited about because then I can at least watch it. But uh, that that might be one just because it's a little closer to home now. I'm kind of probably more looking forward to that one. So lots of racing action coming up. And uh, I texted Todd Narvison, a little side note from the beginning of the show, guys. Um, we talked about Carl Fenske. Remember I brought that up? He won. I was wondering, did he win any big races? He won the NGK Spark Plug Late Model Invitational back at the Rice Lake Speedway in 1980. Kind of, a, kind of a cool stat. I never even heard of that race, but that's a little, little stat there on. Uh, well, they used to always have that invitation on Rice Lake early June. They used to, you know, they, they ended that when the Challenge Series kind of came around, but they used to do for many, many years. I, used, I remember going on weeknights down there, and it was a Tuesday night. 
Yep. Pretty tired the next day going to my summer job in college and high school. <laughs> Didn't they tie in the little dream with that? Wasn't wasn't the little that, dream? Exactly. That's when the little dream and back then it was if we got the little dream to a thousand bucks, it was a big deal. Right. That was that was a big, you know. So um, and then like I said, then they changed it, I'd say it's only been about maybe 15, 10, 15 years or so. They changed it and started doing some challenge series stuff. And because remember, they they were doing some challenge series stuff late August, maybe 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago. They were a week or two before Labor Day. So they changed it to late August for some reason. Right. Well, what did you say? Sycamore just Saturday or Friday, Saturday? Friday, Saturday. It's two shows. Lucas Oil, MLRA. I think that might be their last. Is it? No, I don't know if that's their finale or not. They might have something after that, but that's the final show at Sycamore. Um, Bert can maybe look up. I'm not sure if that's. I don't think that's the finale for Lucas Oil MLRA. I don't. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> but they're expecting some pretty good car counts, you know. So I mean, they, it'll be interesting to see who all goes there. They they usually get a pretty good following for that deal. Of course, World of Outlaw and Lucas both racing this weekend, but. You know, could we expect to see maybe a Bobby Pierce there? I would you know? imagine. Yeah, Bobby Pierce. He didn't show up in he didn't show up at Brownstown. Right, Tanner English. So I'm expecting to see a pretty good field of cars over there. And uh, I'm really excited to find out it was on flow. I texted Brett over at the Sycamore Speedway and I'm like, man, I can't be there. I mean, is it streamed? Because they don't stream during the year. They don't stream them. And uh they actually have flow racing coming in for this one. And they, I think they streamed the Mars race as well. So pretty excited about that. But, you know, episode 99, guys, in the books. 100 next week. Episode number 100. <clears throat> so we're going to have to make that one good. We're going to have to gonna have some pretty good stories, kind of reminisce a little bit next week, I think. I just thought of something. And, I mean, we would not be race fans if we ended this show without mentioning number 99, Dick Trickle. Even though it's asphalt <laughs> racing, but Dick Trickle. <laughs> I feel like we're ESPN commentators now when he mentioned Dick Trickle. <laughs> well, you know, Dick Trickle, his Russ Ebert pitted for Dick Trickle, right? So bring Danny Ebert's dad? Yeah, Danny Ebert's dad. So bringing it full circle, Dan Ebert, one of the best drivers in, in our area. I mean, he's good in the mod. He's good in the late. He was good in the Midwest mod. Of course, him and his dad, extremely smart individuals. Very, you know, very techy. But yeah, Russ Ebert pitted for Dick Trickle. And remember when Ebert used to come up and run the Midwest Mod in Grand Rapids, there was <clears throat> multiple times Dick Trickle was in Grand Rapids. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. yeah. If we would have been doing and, the show then, I would have interviewed him. I feel like we dropped the ball. <laughs> We're late to the party. And to bring this back to dirt racing, um, Somebody, this was a while ago, I and I saved them, but somebody had posted on Facebook, Dick Trickle racing a dirt late model at Hales Corner Speedway racing a Pete Parker car. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Didn't he used to smoke cigarettes on yellows or something like that? When he raced NASCAR, yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, had, they had an in-car camera on, yeah, they were under caution, and he had a cigarette, and he's got a lighter, and he's lighting a cigarette. <laughs> he's, he's one he was one of a kind that's for sure one of the one of the tough guys from back in the day so guys i tell you what you know let's call it a show here it's always fun chat and racing i'm looking forward to episode 100 we're gonna have to <clears throat> we're gonna have to put our minds together this week and make this one a little bit extra special we're gonna have to figure out uh 
what what we're going to talk about this week, other than just the norm. Let's let's make this one good. So I can't I can't believe we made it to a hundred. How about you guys? Oh, that's wild. And yeah, well, I, I have a comment on that for next week. But yeah, that's it's great. It's a big milestone. Absolutely. So, Puka, take it home, man. All right. Well, Ryan mentioned earlier that my son, my oldest, uh, got his driver's license and it just a matter of hours ago. So just, uh, Tommy, just uh, congrats to you and make mom and dad's life a lot easier. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> prepare for the bus service with your, your younger uh, sisters and brother. But uh, we're almost at the end of the episode. Sharing is caring. Great time to share the episode. Remember, if you share the episode, it reaches more people. More people can follow the One to Go show. So it'll get out to your racing fans who might not already know about us. Uh, follow Bert at Bert Lehman on Facebook, at Ryan Aho on Facebook, at Racer Puka on Facebook. We've got some swag. If I show up in Ashland, I'll have some swag with me. Track me down. Otherwise, just get a hold of one of us. We'll figure out what we can do to get it to you. BuyRacers.com, Power Rankings on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you catch us for that. Uh, I want to thank all of our great partners like we do every week. Dirt Track Supply, LM Radiator, BuyRacers.com, RB Share, Cowboy Up Racing, Zuli's Race Engines, Blue Line Brews, and Vernon Racing. Comment below. We like love seeing and hearing your comments. We usually reply to you. If you just want something more private, you can message us or the one to go show at gmail.com. Like I said, snap over to the YouTube page. Uh, we have a couple of interviews from uh, Bemidji that you might want to catch. And most importantly, get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show. Perfect. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.